Hey everybody, welcome back to the Letterman Lounge at Roosters on Olentangy River Road. This is Letterman Live. We're back, we're ready. It's we've put we've put the title game behind us. We're gonna move on to the twenty twenty one football season. That's Bobby Carpenter, Michael Bennett, Justin Zwick. Uh, back from their vacations and ready to roll. Um, it, it's it's been a busy off season already. You know, uh, Ryan Day talked last week about some of the process and early enrollees are on campus. We got all the NFL decisions and guys coming back and staying. Uh, and then a, a, a big moving piece of the coaching staff with Greg Madison retiring. We're going to get into all of that. But, you know, to start with it, um, and we know what that roster is really going to look like now with some of those key decisions. Uh, so for our, our Buckeye leaves with Nicole Cox not uh, here with <coughs> us this week, uh, we're going to do it anyway without her. The most key decisions, which one stands out to you, Bob, for the guy either coming or going? Let's We're going to get into all of it, but which one to you is the most important? You know, I guess I look at it, probably Haskell Garrett coming, deciding to come back, especially with the departure of Tommy Togiai. I'm sorry. I, just <laughs> I mean, I look at this Thank as a self-preservation thing as a linebacker. You want to make sure you have the guys in front of you. And so losing Togiai, which I think was a little bit more unexpected, mm-hmm. you thought maybe Haskell Garrett would be the guy to leave, but he chooses to come back. Vital cog in there, providing a lot of senior leadership, some pass rush in the middle, an anchor in the middle. you got to think you're losing all you know, your four top linebackers. So you want as many veteran bodies up front as you can have to make it easier on those guys. Because it's one thing, you know, and Michael will tell you, there's times where defensive line, there's motions, there's shifts, and, you know, sometimes you have to kick the alignment, kick the front. Veteran D linemen will understand that, and they can get that. Young guys, you know, the sophomores, you know, first-year uh, juniors maybe, like, They'll struggle, and they need the linebackers to kind of help them. You may not have those guys being as quick to make adjustments up front, so it's going to be more onus on them. So when you have Haskell Garrett coming back, you know, for that defense to help out and just the leadership as well, I think it's a huge piece. Yeah, to, uh, when you look at those two guys, those defensive tackles, Mike, I mean, we, we talked about how uh, elite they were playing last year. They maybe didn't get enough attention nationally. Haskell Garrett's <laughs> going to get that now. I'm going to have to guess here. I haven't talked to Tommy Togiai since last week. But the way that those draft evaluation grades now, they're not the same as when you guys were playing where it was any round, and now it's one, two, or I'm go back, back to school. Mm-hmm. Tommy Togie must have got a number because the Ohio State was expecting both of those guys would come back. And, you know, you can't blame Tommy Togie for making that decision. But, you know, certainly if you're Ohio State, you would have loved to have them together for one more year. Yeah, I, you know. Bobby definitely took the two guys that <laughs> were at the front of my mind. But he took them because they are, they're a pivotal part of that Ohio State mm-hmm. team. So their decisions both are going to have a massive in- impact. And I am shamelessly going to just offer another perspective on those two guys. Um, losing Tommy's big. Obviously, he was just a force in the middle. And having Haskell and Tommy in there is just a, it's a difference maker. When you have those – you've got three gaps then accounted for and a pass rush. But – Personally, I think it was a good idea for Tommy to leave. Yeah. Um, when you start thinking about, okay, should I go, should I not go, he had success. Yes, I think he would have had a much more successful season having a longer season next year. But physically, he is prepared for the NFL. He's strong enough. He's fast enough. I think he has a good understanding of defensive line technique. So when you go, when he goes to the NFL, it's not going to be like, hey, you know, you know, you're not physically there yet. We can get you there. Right. But – they can teach him technique. Like, I didn't leave my junior year not because I didn't have success, but physically I don't think I was ready. I, I was able to make my way and do some moves and all that kind of stuff, but there's a, a, an amount of strength that is required to play nose tackle or three technique in the NFL, and I think Tommy Togiai has that. I don't know if Haskell Garrett is quite to that strength level yet. His technique, I think, uh, was really good last year. Um, I'm really happy that he came back because he did have the option. The NFL, you, you saw, uh, what was that, the Tampa Bay game 
um, against who did they play last night? Green Bay. Uh, Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yes, Green Bay, who I thought was going to win the Super Bowl, and they were able to neutralize Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because they have just killers up front on that D-line. Oh, yeah. And so there's always going to be a place uh, in the NFL to pay three techniques. <clears throat> yeah. And so Haskell, I'm sure, was tempted. But he knows coming off of a seven-game season after recovering from a bullet wound that there's more in his tank. He can do better. He can get stronger. He can learn more technique. Um not having Tommy there to back him up might be a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Coach Johnson has people ready in the wings, but it'll be really exciting to see a full season of Haskell mm-hmm. Garrett. And I think Tommy Togiai, regardless of if he goes first round or sixth round, I think he's going to have a good NFL career. I think what's interesting, too, about Haskell Garrett, and you talked about his strength, Mike. I mean, obviously he was strong enough to make an impact in the Big Ten, was one of the best in America. But Ryan Day said not only did he deal with the – Almost losing his life. There's no other way to say it. A shot in the face. Yeah. yeah. In the I mean, so like there's he, no way there should be. You don't usually come out of that one. No, that, <laughs> so that's playing one, a football season. That's yeah. right. And then you come back. He didn't miss a game. So we know that he couldn't even eat solid food for a yeah. while, which is important. Uh, you three, especially guys. keep the weight on. I mean, these big guys. It's you hard. Gotta, you got to work to keep your weight it's, on, it's right? Hard. I mean, yeah. but even yeah. before that, he it's had sports. tested positive for COVID. So he dealt with the sickness and a couple weeks where he couldn't do anything at all. On top of that, not being able to eat, like it and really makes it more remarkable what he did last year, as if it wasn't enough. I mean, and don't don't get me wrong, it's not that he's not strong. It's just there's a it's a different category of strength to play on the interior D line in the NFL. It's not it's not anything like college right. when it comes to um, what you need to be prepared for, who you're going against. You know, in college, you go against some of those smaller teams. Mm-hmm. Their interior O linemen are are usually the worst O linemen on the squad, and they are already not very good, so it's not that you can take plays off, but you don't necessarily have to be like going at it. But you get to the NFL, you've got every Grown single play. Yeah. <laughs> you've got two three hundred thirty pound, twelve yeah. percent body fat guys bearing down on you. Mm. So I think already, you know, I, I whenever I look at these interior D linemen, I compare them to to myself, yeah. and I think Haskell already is stronger than I was. Um, he's he's got the same technique. He's got all the gifts. It's just another year under mm-hmm. Coach Marathi. Another year in this system is going to turn him into, and another year of you know not getting coronavirus or oh, getting yeah. shot is going to turn him into something that's that's really. Special. Well, a new season of him coming in full strength, right? I mean, exactly. you know, you get shot in the mouth, you you have COVID, you have all this stuff where you don't really get those practices. I mean, I the whole we're team itself about a really. Soap opera. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's really crazy. it's an amazing story. It'd be written. And made into a movie maybe some someday. Hey, if anything pretty, could be, yeah, it could be I mean, that. That's nuts. Well, I'm going to go the other side of the ball uh, since, you know, we always have all the defensive guys here. Um, <laughs> and this one really surprised me, Chris Olave coming back. Um, says a couple things to me. One, he, you know, he he loves Ohio State. He wants to go out and maybe make break some records and do some more things. But, two, that whoever's waiting in the wings at the quarterback position, he's had to have seen him throw. He's had to have seen him in practice this year, and he probably feels pretty confident that – Whoever that guy is going to be at the helm next year is going to be able to get him the rock. Um, you know, and all we did, you know, going into this past season was talk about all the young receivers that are coming in. You know, that's another thing that helps. You got this guy who came back who could have probably been a first-round pick, second-round pick, whatever, coming back to be in your room to help guide these young guys and help them and show them what they need to do to be successful as he has over the last few years. So I think that's a huge deal for the offense, even though we do have all these – receivers and playmakers you know there who are young but having that you know ha- having a guy a veteran in that room uh, I'm sure Brian Hartline was, was grinning from ear to ear to, to see that he came back now he might not have been because he's saying shoot I gotta play all these guys <laughs> but uh, I mean when you get somebody like that coming back to uh, to lead that room and, and lead the uh, you know his uh, group 
I don't think you uh, can understate that. So I love Chris Olave. Yeah. I think it's incredible that we have him for another year. I just wonder if this is going to be like a Drew Brees situation where if he had left – you know, one year, then they get Teddy Bridgewater, but now they're going to have Jameis Winston. You know, we like you said, we've got some receivers coming in. We had receivers on the roster this year who probably would have been top receivers in college football, but you, you just can't – you don't have room to play them. So now we still have our best receivers coming back, and we have the best receivers in the country coming in. you got to wonder if some of these, you know, freshman or sophomore receivers that got a little bit of time last year but not as much as they might have liked – if they're going to be thinking about, okay, well, do I need to go somewhere where I can see the field before my junior year? Bob, I'll uh, let you take that. You know, and, and I, that's something you worry about, but you see it happen at Alabama, mm-hmm. and you watched you know, Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. Watch Waddle go down and Waddle, in, in early in the year, yeah. and both, you know, both yeah. those guys were sitting last year um, behind Rugs and behind Judy, and so mm-hmm. you know they're sitting behind. All of a sudden, you get your turn, you come up. You, it's proven you, you only need a year. Of great production, as mm-hmm. long as you have other tape out there, and you see what you know Terry McLaurin was able to do, yeah. and so I think it's developing the culture in the room where the guys understand what the expectations are, what they need to do, how they need to operate. It does get a little bit you know crowded at times, but I, I would imagine with a full <clears throat> season, you're going to be able to get those young guys a lot of reps early yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those uh, early it's, games, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. you got those first four games where, and you can you have those games and still red shirt guys can play four. So I think there's going to be pun- plenty. And Mookie's leaving, so I mean, they keep recruiting these guys at high levels, and they're recruiting high character guys. So I don't think you're going to sit there and say, "Well, I'm not playing. I'm pouting early mm-hmm. on." And understand, like, wow. there's a lot to be learned from veteran guys, and you'll get your shot. We'll get you in there. Make the most of it, and as you continue to earn more, we'll give you more opportunities. Yeah, and that just talks about the culture of the you know the, yeah. the program because you're recruiting these guys, and they know, man, I got you know three other five stars coming in with me. Yeah, I may not be the starting guy; I might have to be a rotational guy until my senior year or until a little bit later in my career. So, mm. I mean, to see it be done at a place like in Alabama, I mean, a lot of these receivers might say, "Shoot, you know, this guy just went and won the Heisman. He was the number two receiver coming into the year, right. you know, this year." So. Did anybody hear about Devonta Smith last year? I mean, he was he, the fourth receiver. Well, he, he, he caught he caught the touchdown pass in the championship game with Tua, right? Yeah. Was that a couple of years ago against Georgia? And then you know he he goes out and just blows up this year. I mean, I think he was the best player in college yeah. football. I was happy to see him win the Heisman. But you, these other receivers seeing that, just to your point, Bob, you know, coming in the year, it wasn't like hey, he's he's going to win the Heisman. Watch out for this guy. It was mm-hmm. game after game, two hundred plus yards of every you know punt returns, receiving, you know that sort of thing. Put him on the map. Yeah. This may be the, you know, half full perspective on that wide receivers room, Mike. But half I mean, drank. Yeah. <laughs> it's either way you want to look at it. You know, Chris Olave came up. You know, when he was a freshman and sophomore, he was in that room with, you know, three captains: Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon. The next year, three seniors: Austin Mack and KJ Hill and Benjamin Victor. Guys that stuck around, and you know, that's what he is used to. Where they were rotating six wide receivers, uh, everybody was getting a turn. You got to be, you know. There was it wasn't the diva position. It was that was really what they looked at as the strongest unit, the brotherhood culture and all that. It really flipped it around from the normal perspective. I think that's what Chris Olave was used to, and this last season was an anomaly. You know, really trying to reload it. They relied so heavily on Wilson and Olave. Uh, there weren't those touches for those guys as a freshman that they wanted. You know, that's understandable when you consider all the other factors. But mm-hmm. you know, I, Julian Fleming knew when he signed <coughs> he wasn't going to be in the lineup in year one. Uh, that he wanted Brian Hartline to teach him. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone will stay permanently. That would be mm-hmm. naive and foolish, mm-hmm. and Mookie Cooper is already gone. But I think next year, Olave gives them a chance where, hey, he gets to be a captain. 
he's going to get his touches, but he doesn't have to play every single snap, gets to work with Fleming and G. Scott and Emeka Agbuka and all these other guys. I, that's, again, it's, that's the half. Well, and they didn't use a year of eligibility, right? I mean, they still have their full well, yeah, four years to go. Stay another year beyond. You know, yeah. Is, so, is that not well, the scariest <laughs> I mean, wide nuts, receiver right? room yeah. that in it's the country? Insane. Yeah. It's insane. Because, I mean, every time we saw uh, one of these young wide receivers come in, it's not that they were just running their routes well. They were making acrobatic catches. Mm-hmm. They were making – they were oh, they yeah. were routing oh. up good – you know, DBs, yeah. and now you have your two best receivers who arguably were amongst the top five in the country last year who are just going to come out better. I mean, they get another year under Coach Hartline. Um, I, I, we came into the last year talking about how exciting the wide receivers were, and now it's the same group plus two yeah. five-stars. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, right, what do you say to that? What do you do? Well, and I go back to the fact, you know, Hartline, you know, hand-selects these guys, mm-hmm. and he's done a great job bringing in elite players, but – you know, talking to someone, being around, and talking to Brian about like they're elite people too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming in. I mean, he understands how it, how everything operates. Mm-hmm. And so you know what, you're gonna you may not be you know able to go out there one day day one, and it's good that you have to play some special teams, earn mm-hmm. your way on there. It develops an accountability, it develops the culture in that room because generally the wide receiver room, I mean, that's one of the squirreliest rooms you're gonna ha- have <laughs> like have a hard time getting your ha- hands like around yes. and knowing like the character and quality of guys like. Not that you don't have good dudes in there, but like a, a depth of them mm-hmm. where everybody's you know mm-hmm. all pulling in the same direction. Like, and I think that they have that. And so when you have that, I I tend to believe like you know, Austin's saying, maybe there's a defection or two here or there. Mm-hmm. You know what? All the better for those guys. Go yeah. play somewhere else, and you have that opportunity. But if these guys wanted to play right away, go to Michigan State, go to yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, they could have went anywhere else. Right? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they chose started from day one yeah. at one of those schools. Right. They yeah. chose to come here, and so they know what they're getting. And into. I'm sure Brian has that conversation with him when he's yeah. recruiting. I'm saying, listen, you've seen what we've recruited. This isn't going to be, hey, welcome to campus. Here's your starting position. You know, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to be part of the group. You're going to have to, you know, do all the little things, special teams, all the stuff we ask you to do to become a better player. And they they seem to buy in and they love them. Yeah, I think Mike's point is, is certainly valid because it, it's a conversation that Brian Hartland was going to have to have. It's a good problem to have, to have though. Yeah, but it's also for me, it's Chris a lot. It's not an NFL deal. It's one player for one year. And like if you can't, you can't handle that. You're probably not meant to be at Ohio State anyway. Yeah. All you guys had to pay. Mm-hmm. Your dues to get in the lineup and, and then to stay there that's that's not easy uh one more guy that i think is important um who's in that lineup and going to stay there is there munford which mm. um i wasn't surprised by the decision because it had been trending that way but i mean he had <laughs> taken a senior bowl invite and he'd played for four years in the mm-hmm. program get, he's using that bonus year coming back to play left tackle suddenly this offensive line looks uh, a lot more potent because if you've got what what munford and nicholas petit frere did at, at the tackle spot, and we saw Paris Johnson flashing a couple times, mm-hmm. at least in that Sugar Bowl, and he has to play maybe guard for a year or the swing tackle if somebody goes down. I mean, that's changed the perspective of that whole group. Based upon how he looked when they put him in a guard, I'm tending to believe, and this was like an urban concept about just getting your best five on the field. Right. I mean, he might not be pr- your prototypical guard. He's a little tall. There's some negative negatives about that when you're playing inside. But you know what? Get him on the, get him in there. Let him road grade people. Yeah, I mean, if you're a beast, inside. you're a beast, right? Yeah, <laughs> Where let they put work, you. Let him work at it, and mm-hmm. then you know what? It's it's easier to slide out after a year of playing than being a swing guy and getting mm-hmm. some reps. And that's not to say that he wouldn't bounce out if there was an injury, because I'm sure that he would, or maybe right. even you know later in games to give him a little bit of action. But it's much easier when you've experienced game speed mm-hmm. at high levels to be all right. Now it's my turn to slide out, and now I'll be able to do it. Much like the wide receiver room, like. You know, you do this, and then all right, you get to slide outside for moving from the slot or whatever it might be. I think every, obviously, every spot on that field is important. Um, I would argue 
that having experience on the offense and defensive lines Huge. has mm-hmm. more of an impact <clears throat> than, you know, other than maybe quarterback. But because those those units are so just connected, mm-hmm. you know, when you have that leader, that guy who, like you said, he knows the speed of the game, he knows what to look out for, he can look to his left and his right, and he can tell somebody, especially on the D line, what on the D line, if you're like, if you're new to that that's position and you're next to a veteran. They'll tell you, hey, the ball's going that way. The ball's going this way. It's a run. It's a pass. And that, that makes the whole D-line better. And with Thayer Mumford, it's the same thing on offensive line. Hey, they're blitzing. So, young man, you got you to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just it works as a whole unit. So the more experience, the more guys you've had who have been through those yep. big games, been through those big moments, um, or even just played those teams. A guy that's played Michigan State three times or Penn State three right. times. It makes a massive difference. And you know, I'm sure in the D, the DBs communicate and all that kind of stuff. The receivers. I know one of the reasons we had so much success in the line or in the on the team this year was because the linebacker room was so uh, experienced and had worked together for so long yeah. that they could kind of position everybody. But seeing these these pivotal players on the offensive and defensive line coming <laughs> back is huge. Yeah, I mean, before they make those decisions, you think that Michigan State game where the offensive line had to kind of be thrown together. Mm-hmm. You know, you think to yourself, man, that's going to be huge down the road because we got to see them with live bullets going and, you know, they had to play in some big games. But then you get a couple of your big guys to come back and you're like, all right, well, we know we have some guys that can fill in if needed. We have our main ones. Let's figure the rest of it out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's certainly a big part of it with, you know, we were not talking about Matthew Jones before the Michigan State game mm-hmm. or, you know, before the Sugar Bowl. He grades his champions in those games. He comes back. So you're looking at a different situation at guard because Dewan Jones might have thought he could slide in there and play. Mm-hmm. Maybe he will. You know, Harry Miller, we assume, will go to center and be the guy and, you know, getting a full spring camp to make sure that he's got the snapping. Yes, <laughs> yeah, please, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, there's still that, that confidence that he can do it, but, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe that maybe that changes with, with Luke Whipler or, or Matthew Jones, who was before Harry Miller and before these other guys was the top-rated center in the country coming here. And Ohio State was doing that several years in a row. So you have all these options, yeah. which is what you want. Mm-hmm. And you can't – and that – when they're building this roster, I, I – I, I don't think you can be worried about transfers. You're gonna, if you're going to recruit the best players in the country, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and they want to play for a national championship, then you're going to have to earn it. And now they've also seen firsthand at Alabama what that patience means. Mm-hmm. You know, five, six seniors that want to come back and win a national championship. And they were, I mean, Ohio State had other problems on that night, but I think, you know, let's say Chris Olave or Thayer Munford mm-hmm. were looking at that and be like, okay, that's what it takes. Well, yeah. Especially along the offensive line. They have a term for that, Austin. Give it to me. Competitive excellence. Competitive excellence. Competitive excellence. Competing within your position group to be the best that you can be, regardless of who is around you. And so when you have all these guys coming back in the offensive line, battle for five spots, all right, give me your best five. And you have highly recruited guys that are training hard. You're going to get five really good dudes. And so as good as Alabama was everywhere else, the difference really was their offensive line was elite. We were down. Mm -hmm. We had some guys out on our D line. Mm -hmm. But when you can line up and run the ball – whenever you want, with really whatever running back you want, and you can give your quarterback a clean pocket to throw from, those two positions can be just average guys. Now, they obviously had better, but you don't mm-hmm. have to be elite when you have massive holes to run through and when you're throwing seven-on-seven seven every day. Yeah. 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 We, we, my senior year, we won the national championship because of our old line. Well, yeah. you know, a lot of integral pieces. No, but, but you look at that yeah. old line my senior year, they were some monsters. And I remember yeah. the character shift 
that happened with them when Urban got there, and, and they took pride in that. You talk about competitive excellence. They pushed everybody. If you were a young guy, Taylor Decker, when he came in, he mm-hmm. wasn't getting the job done. He, mm-hmm. you know, mentally he was weak. He physically he wasn't. I mean, he was a young guy. Obviously, he wasn't there. But he got around those guys, and every single year he became tougher. He became stronger. And then by his senior year, he was the leader. He was the leader of the team, the offensive line, and that's such a. That's such a yeah. What you guys are talking about? That's a boon. You know, you need that competitive excellence, and that's all built on um, just the unit. Was that, an, was that an Alex Boone reference right there? <laughs> no. I, I just saw him doing uh, box jumps on online the other day. Is he still saying I think he was trying. No, I think he's, he's retired. But I think he's trying to come back. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Bring it back! Bring it back! Bring it back! I mean, they had they had Taylor go against. And you were there for mm-hmm. this. I was watching. I mean, it was maybe his freshman spring. It was or ugly. Fall. They made him go against John Simon like five reps in a row. Oh God! And Vrabes, Ed's, Ed is yelling. Ed orders yelling at Vrabes to keep putting Simon in there. Vrabes is saying, "Don't tell me how to run my guys." He's, 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 yeah. I mean, it was almost a fight. Yeah, somebody him. telling Vrabel what to do. Yeah, to get out never of here. goes well. John Simon never goes well. John, John's feeling bad because Taylor's out of his depth. Yeah. But it, honestly, it's it's a it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. You need to establish. The high point of yeah. where you need this to be. This is what it takes to play this if you want to do it. Yeah. you got to be able to handle this dude. Yeah. And he's going to keep coming. And we're gonna, we're yeah. He doesn't stop. Yeah. Yes. He's like a spider monkey. <laughs> I, I believe that's dude on dude accountability. That's the ja- it's the Jags mantra, dude on dude accountability. Still not here. We're hoping for a send-off which like at some point, but he's got to get off that private jet down to Jack. Yeah, gosh, tough life. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break right here. It's Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. As it rolls along, we'll be right back after this. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, welcome back to Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Don't forget, well, Mike's going to town on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was right hoping there. to get one. Oh, there's still one left. now. you're good. You've, <laughs> got, I want you to finish it now. Two dollar Tuesday. Yeah, you got to finish the rep. Uh, two dollar Tuesdays. It's the mozzarella mm, sticks. They're oh delicious. Boys. Got the Michael Bennett seal of approval. Mm-hmm. That cheese just stringing out. You got to so love what it. What they do is they take a strip of mozzarella tr- okay. cheese and then they deep fry it. Okay. Put like five of them together, and then it's two dollars and in a basket. <laughs> Did you get a tour back there? Is that how you know that's, all this? That's how we get it done. <laughs> that's, that's great insight. That's, a delicious, a delicious dipping it. sauce, and so it takes care of everything. Let me get that behind-the-scenes stuff here at Lemon Lounge. Cheese. Bob yeah. is is committed. If Schlegs is not going to be here to talk about the apps, then Bob is absorbing everything he needs to know about all of the $2 appetizer. We need to see Bob Every- get on. We need to make Bob do the mac and cheese bites or something. Just... <laughs> and, I don't. How do you feel about the mac and cheese bites, Bob? I mean, well, I took some home he's got to have day. something to just house when he's here, other than the salad that's in front of him. I'm, I'm on and Schlegel's doing a memory bit of a fast right now. I will diet. after a couple in a couple weeks. I'll I'll check out some of this. You thing. heading to the I beach? You're it. heading to the See, beach here soon, then, no, huh? No, you trying no, to get no. that six pack going? <laughs> Bob's, not, Bob's <laughs> in ketosis right now. This is that's just see. This is two weeks. We I, we've been going through this now for a year and a half doing Letterman Live at Roosters. Everybody comes in the first week. Michael's done it. Jay-Z's done it. I'm going to get the salad. I'm, I'm not even going to touch <laughs> the potato skins yep. or the pizza. I'm, I'm just going to be really healthy when I'm yeah. here. Bobby's still in that early yeah, phase. Yeah, he's still there. He hasn't transitioned to, the, to where Bob's, I am right yeah. now. <laughs> Bob's more devoted to fitness than me. You know, yeah. he might, oh, I might have been all of us put to together. Than I, think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than I have ever been in my entire life. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that just means that he can work it all out. And That's right. To go. That's what I think. I mean, I'm still holding out hope. I mean, Urban might sign me. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could probably give you. You about got some that. of that film from when they put you in pads. That's uh, true. That was back in what 2014, <laughs> uh, somewhere no. around there. Six sixteen. You know what it was? It was before the. The Fiesta, the Fiesta Bowl beatdown, and I had tr- I tried to kindly warn those guys that their players would be better than me. <laughs> and then I look at me, I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 33 years old. I haven't played football in five years. I go, these dudes got first-round picks. I've seen them on film. I'm trying to tell you all. Oh, yeah, oh, boom, 31. And we can stop you, Bob. We got yeah. them. Yeah. That, that, that really wasn't happening, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heartline parlayed that into his job. Exactly. Yeah, geez, how about that? <laughs> Harline was doing the same thing on the other end. Oh yeah, it was a bad deal. <laughs> they were making Ed was making excuses for. Oh uh, goodness, what? Oh, what was the right tackle's name? Oh, huge dude, super tall. I won't be able to get out of bed for a week if I tried something like that. Oh, yeah. I can't. Oh, it's driving me nuts. It's like pickleball, and I, I try to tell him. Putting on cleats makes me sore. <laughs> like, these, yeah. these dudes, they're pass rushers. Like, these dudes are legit. It was all those first rounders that came out. I go, they are better than me. And, like I, I can promise, say that with full Wait, certainty. You're running into Jamarco Jones. Is that your? No, it wasn't Jamarco. Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince. Yeah. Oh gosh, I hip tossed him one time. I was concerned. Time, I was very concerned. <laughs> he gave me anxiety to watch. Yeah. Very concerned. <clears throat> yeah. He, uh, he had a propensity for moving before the snap. Mm, yeah. It's tough. Um, Love that. All right. So that's uh, I'm, obviously that worked out for Brian Hartline. The coaching staff uh, now for Ryan Day going into year three. It's going to be a little bit different. Greg Madison, as we talked about last week, that it was going to be coming. Uh, he retired, uh, or will retire officially at the end of the month. Ryan Day confirmed that on Friday. So Ohio State's got a chance here, Bob, to remake that coaching staff. First of all, for people that don't appreciate maybe what Greg Madison provided over the last two years, what what did you see from him? Why was he so important? Well, I think you know, anytime you have a staff, you need a variety of personalities. And so Kerry Combs, everybody sees him running around, ah, like Schlegs, just housing 14 coffees a day. Dude comes off the practice field, goes through and just hammers like a 30-minute workout at like the highest intensity ever while drinking his coffee the whole time. I'm like, dude, you have a heart attack. But, you know, so you have guys like him. You have guys like Larry Johnson that's very, very instructive, has very relational in conversations. Greg is a very personable guy. Like, he can get on guys. He can be honest. He can be real. He's not carry. You know, he's, he's uh, you know, just different. Like, everybody had their own unique fit. So when you're bringing in a guy, it's, number one, you're looking, okay, what position can he coach? Do they bring in somebody just like Greg who is kind of a walk-around guy who's, you know, a D.C. right there with Kerry? Or do they say, hey, maybe we'll bring in a guy who is going to coach more of a position and maybe we push up, you know, maybe, you know, an, an Al Johnson. Or not Al, yeah, Al Johnson. Maybe put him as a co-coordinator there. I thought you were talking about Al Johnson, no. our, our Larry, strength, strength I'll, coach. I'll, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'll, I was like, our strength coach, they can, Al? They can merge those two <laughs> guys together. Oh, man. Al, Al Washington. <laughs> Al wa- sorry, Al yeah. Washington. Gotcha. I apologize. Al, oh, no, yeah. I, Al's my guy. Blast from the past there. It really was. Al Johnson. Al Washington. Maybe they push him in there. Maybe you bring in another linebacker guy. Maybe you bring in another D-line guy. When they expanded about seven or eight years ago to that 10th assistant, it gave you a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do. And so – I'm curious to see, and sometimes it's just about maybe it's need. Other times it's, hey, who's the best guy available out there that we can go get, and then we can kind of figure out how they would fit personality-wise and what position they would coach, and you know, maybe there'd be a little movement there. I mean, they have some guys with position versatility, Al John, or Al Washington, rather. He's coached D-line before. I mean, there's other things he can help with. So I'm just curious to see kind of how they decide to do this. And, you know, 
potentially who's available. You know, Marcus Freeman just went to Notre Dame. Someone was sad about that. I'm like, well, doesn't mean he couldn't just come to Ohio State. It's not like he has a buyout. I mean, if they would offer, they just got put on probation up there too, didn't they, for a year? Who knows? I mean, probably. I mean, it's 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 a a rough situation. I mean, it wasn't a bag of McDonald's cash, but no, it's not the kind of probation that do that and still lose. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, still be terrible. (laughs) But. You know, I think that's a part of it is you're just finding the best guy, best recruiting fit, best position yeah. fit, and best personality fit. Yeah, I, I you know, talked to some people about that at the end of last week and because you know, Ryan Day really left it open. What are you looking for? Well, he, it's what you're talking about for one. Who's the best guy that you can fit? Uh, it's not going to be someone who uh, – Kerry Combs is not going to lose his status no. as the coordinator after a year, and, and nor should he considering the challenges that they faced. Um, but Matt Barnes is somebody who is also very important when we're talking about the guys who are there. He could he doesn't have to coach defensive backs uh, or safeties. He can go down to linebacker and help Al Washington if need be. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to do something with the defensive line, although you know, if you're looking for the future, Larry Johnson will not coach forever, even though he, he wants to and, and seems like he could mm-hmm. at times. Um, so you, know, you think about somebody who has experience or is familiar with the program, like Randall Joyner, who played linebacker and – you know, Michael, I'm sure you remember him. Um, you know, maybe he's an answer for that because he's also coached defensive line and worked with Larry Johnson. Maybe it's a, a linebackers coach from Tennessee, uh, like Ryan Crow, who Kerry Combs is already familiar with, and they can continue to expand the staff that way. Maybe it's somebody, um, you know, that you haven't really heard of that's coming off of that San Francisco staff from 2016, where Jeff Halfley was and and where Ryan Day was, and and it doesn't have to be <coughs> someone that you know is a major name that's already out there. Ryan Day knows people. He's got it right uh, in the past. But that's a long-winded uh, way of saying that's sort of where the situation is, but there's no definitive path forward as, as we sit here right now. But you know that you have to get that one right because you sit number 122 in pass defense after last season. That won't sit well for anybody. I think that's the beauty of Ohio State, though, is you have not only do you have connections and coaching all over the oh, country yeah. when it comes to college football and the pros, but you also have former players who I'm sure they could tap to come back. And, I mean, you see what – I mean, Brian Hartline is kind of setting the stage for a lot of stuff. You saw Vrabel do it. You saw Fickle do it. Like, it's just – it's a common thing for guys to come back and coach their alma mater, stuff like that, if they want to get started in coaching. Um, and luckily, Ohio State has a lot of successful players and a lot of successful um, people who come out of the coaching program. Yeah. So I don't think they'll have a hard time finding somebody that, that fits whatever role they need to find. It's just – you, you, we don't really know where Ryan Day's head at is, is where he feels the biggest need on the team is. Well, when you say fit the role, I guess I'm just sitting here wondering. I mean, so last year you had Combs and you had Madison, right? Both co-defense coordinators. Who – I know it's not an easy easy answer, but who's making most of those calls, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, are they okay saying, all right, Kerry, you're calling the defense now. We're going to fit somebody else somewhere else around. Or are they saying we still want to get that – guy who's had defense coordinator you know experience so they can work together to call the defense you know yeah. you know what i'm saying instead of just bringing a linebacker coach on and saying all right you're going to bounce around and help us maybe they're saying we want somebody that they can come together and, and kind of call the defense like they had this past year if i had to make an educated guess i would say that there will be an older coach brought in but that would be an analyst role and yeah. whether they okay. need to you know move barns that will be dependent on who they view as the best fit whether it's line whether they need someone at linebacker or if they would rather have Kerry Combs take a bigger picture and someone to coach the defensive backs mm-hmm. I know I, and, I, and I don't know that that's been decided I know they started that role when Urban got there um my freshman year defensive line coach Jim Haycock 
they kept him on as that analyst role. They like that veteran presence mm-hmm. in the room, not necessarily calling the plays or doing anything like that, but like, hey, you know, this is they're the guide. They're the giving his input on experiences yeah. he's had or this and, or that. Yeah. And they do that on teams, on successful teams all over the place. Even in the NFL, they'll mm-hmm. have old, you know, and I think particularly on defense, I don't pay too much attention to offense, but they'll always have that older, you know, defensive coordinator guru mm-hmm. who will come in and just kind of make sure everybody everything's accounted for. So if all these young guys are sitting in the room scheming, they're like, well, yeah. you know, I remember this conversation. We've done this before, and then this is how they attacked us. And, and so I, I would agree with you. They like that older analyst role. They like – because like what you were saying, you know, the co-defensive coordinators, mm-hmm. it would be hard not to step on each other's toes. Um, so you definitely have one person who's more of the mentor and one person who's more of the mentee who's kind of calling the shots with advice from the uh, veteran coach. I mean, I, I – or they'll just take Bobby. I mean, uh, <laughs> there you go. Coach him up. The, the mentee. Why don't? Why aren't you in coaching, Bob? I don't know, Austin, because I, you know, I'd like to come here on eighteen-hour days. The, the Gale, the Gale, the Gale's just hired a new head coach down there in Lancaster. Yeah. It's not. It's, so that's the one he was going for. The time of the day. I mean, I was, and I will say this: I've never ruled it out. Um, you know, I've Urban talked to me about it when he first got here, and at that point, I, you know, three young children. We added a fourth. You know, yeah. since then. Kids are a little older now. Um, you know, my dad had a lot of opportunities to get in at the college level. Uh, the NFL level had an opportunity to coach at Ohio State, and he just you know, he wanted to be around to be able to coach our stuff and to be involved. And so I've tried to mirror that as much as I can. I have a lot of other interests, things I enjoy doing. Um, like I said, I would never rule it out. And if there's an opportunity to help that I thought fit my lifestyle, what I wanted to do, and you know, help especially my alma mater. I would do that. I'm not interested in moving all around the country, though. That's mm-hmm. that's probably that's the thing with coaching that when you yeah. get into it, you know, you want to put your roots down somewhere instead of mm-hmm. maybe one day you're here, next year you're gone. That's always the part like that I I hear about it every time there's an opening, and, and Michael brought it up like because Ohio State has so many successful players and knowledgeable players. It's like, oh well, Bobby lives here. James mm-hmm. Laurinaitis is down the street. Mm-hmm. Like, like you guys also like gave your life to football already Mm -hmm. like you know sometimes you don't want to do it and i understand why that is but like you know and i'm not i wasn't trying to force you in oh no (laughs) you use the term i would rather stay here Uh, for a little while there you go use the term give your life i mean if it's something that you're passionate about and i I love the game and i I love the ohio state university as well and Mm -hmm. so you know i love the guys there and being able to impact younger people in that way like it's it's awesome i've had a chance to help my dad for the last i don't know whenever i retired and yeah us seven eight years or whatever it was and it was incredibly rewarding get to do that you know you know three times a week or so during the season so it, it, it was good i enjoy it um you know the moving is really the big thing but if you love what you're doing it's not you know giving your life and ryan has a young family so i think he understands a little bit about the family need and the time that's involved and you can work 18 hours maybe not 18 you can work 16 and still get to see your family. It's just when are you working and how efficient are you being with it. And so there's ways around to getting that done. And Ryan's done a good job, I think, of balancing that. I think, you know, back when we were allowed in the facility, just I'm thinking back to his first year, you know, Wednesday nights we'd finish up with availability and, you know, be writing in the lobby. And he'd walk out, you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock, <clears throat> not stay there all night. And, and the rest of the staff was supposed to do that as well. Last year was unique. I mean, they couldn't really go home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he has RJ's son running around the facility there. I mean, there's something to that where the kids, those are their memories of being around your dad and being around the facility and the team. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a big part of, like, obviously it's Ohio State, but it's appealing, I think, right now for many people, even even if you're on the other side of the ball, to work for Ryan Day. And it's crazy a little bit to say it that way, to talk about him the way we would have Urban uh, after just two years. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, his reputation is what it is at this point. He's been to the playoff twice now. You know, can, got a little bit of a bad deal with you know being shorthanded against Alabama this time, but the way he beat Clemson will resonate. <clears throat> you know how close they were the year before. You know, those people already know, so there's they're going to be able to hire whoever so, they want. Well, so the way he's done it has worked for him, right? I mean, if it wasn't. You know, hey, I'm taking this time off to go spend with my family. You're losing games. People are going to get mad. But <laughs> you're going to the playoff. You're going to the championship game. You know, it seems to work. So other coaches across the country oh. who are talking to the coaching staff here yeah. might say, man, you know, this is great. He gives a week off in the summertime and says, don't call me. You don't do anything. Be with your family. You know, that might be a selling point to get somebody here that you want. You can retain coaches, and then you can get better coaches mm-hmm. that way. Like driving guys into the ground. Yeah. It works for a couple of years, right? Works. And then they want. And you win. And there's an opportunity like to have success, but as soon as those guys see a, mm-hmm. a pathway out to be able to go somewhere else and coach, they usually try to take it. Yeah, I mean Ryan Day capitalized on that himself mm-hmm. two yeah. years ago when he brought out Washington and Greg yeah. Madison from you know across the rival. Because you look at the staff retention there, unless your last name is actually Harbaugh, <laughs> you're, you're probably not wanting to stick around. No, so. yeah. So the winning, the, the environment, like there's a lot of things and. Not to mention you have great support here, the f- facilities. Because hmm. a big part of it is recruiting, and you have a great product. I don't even was the term use the term sell. You have a great product to pitch to people about why you why you should come here. And the honesty of it, coaching is important. But I'd much rather be an average coach with great players than a great player, great coach with mm-hmm. average players. Like that's that's the nuts and bolts of everything. All right, feels like a good place to end it. Boom. Get some more food out here for for us to. Uh, Munch on ahead of two dollar Tuesdays. Appetizer Tuesdays at Roosters. <laughs> Mott sticks, get them. Get them while they're hot. They're deep fried. Get them before I get all of them. So <laughs> they're so delicious. <laughs> yeah, there's still one left in that basket. We'll have to get another round of that anyway. Uh, appreciate as always Justin Zwick and Michael Bennett, and Bobby Carpenter hanging out with me at in the Letterman Lounge at Roosters. We're gonna get Nicole Cox back in here soon enough to start breaking it down as we get ready for that 2021 football season already. The off season is upon us. Thanks for joining us for Letterman Live. We'll see you next time.